Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer. Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd, Marcos Flores and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Oh, welcome to the podcast for this week. Val Migliaccio, the biggest newsbreaker in the game today. Uh, welcome to you, Val. Happy New Year, Dits. A long time between yeah, drinks. Had a few weeks off. You know, when you work as hard as we do, you've got to have some time off. Marcus Flores, who is a former Johnny Warren medalist and uh, busy putting together his brand new club. How are you, Marcos? <laughs> good, man. Good. And you're a new father? You're a yes, new dad? Yes, I'm blessed. Is he kicking have... goals yet? Is he kicking penalties? I taught him if he doesn't juggle the ball, he's not allowed to play the game. <laughs> good point. <laughs> good point. Hey, Val, coming up today, we're going to talk to Carlo Armiento. He's a young man who's doing very, very well at the moment. He is, and uh, he's now with Perth Glory, an ex-Adelaide City, a, uh, was he, a CBC boy. Yep. And then Local ended product. up playing, yeah, got into the NTC, played for Adelaide City. Adelaide United was frozen out of the team uh, last year. Right. And now he is a player that we're now seeing that is at the top end of the A-League. And he was always there. Now he's getting the chance at Perth Glory. All right, fantastic. Uh, a man I'm really keen to talk to today on the show, Paddy Dominguez. Tell us about him, Val. Yeah, he's the president of the Professional Football Agents Association. This is a global uh, thing. Now, yep. Paddy's based in Sydney, mm-hmm. and he's headed this agents association up since, I reckon, July, August last year. In a, in, a, in a bid to sort of tidy up the agents because they've got, a lot of them have got bad names where they operate and stuff like that, but they're looking at working on a global model. But more importantly, we'll talk to Paddy about why Australia is so, so poor in the transfer market. The record still stands of a transfer sale from Australia into Europe. That's Zelko Kalitz, 1995, from Sydney United to uh, Leicester City, 1.7 million. That still stands, and that's... Cristiano Ronaldo's pocket money in wages for the yeah, week. it is. Marcos, there's something wrong with that. When you look at the, the budget of the big clubs in Europe, the fact that the best we can do, and we're going back to the 90s, is 1.7 million. That's a bit ridiculous, really. Yes, and, and it will be a lot of factors, to be honest. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons also is that uh, uh, we the, the the players that are being to Europe that couldn't find that consistency, so there is not a, a little rhythm of of yeah, let's go and pick up an Australian talent, yep. and and also when you compare when the the European clubs get into the their pockets, they try to pay as less money as possible to resell. Yeah, that is the football business, mm. and if you go with the same money, one million point one to South America. You can take a player that is that is playing in the really competitive level um, um, from Brazil, from from Colombia. You can go and get one Falcao with with 19 years old, with one talent, raw talent uh, that is willing to actually be really, really, really successful in Europe. So it is a, this competition where Australian players are in to go to Europe is not it's not as easy that that, that that sounds you know looks more easy you know from here from a laptop mm. but just to go and pick and be picked up for the teams that are really going to put the money is not easy but Val when you talk about the the record transfer at 1.7 
Surely you're not talking about uh, the likes of Viduka and uh, the Vidmar brothers and players like that, Cahill. No. You're talking about purely they've gone from a club here to out. a club. Yeah, okay. Out, out because obviously Europe. within Europe, they did get, command yeah, well, more money. Yeah, you look money. at Mark Viduka, I think he was a $10 million sale yeah, back okay, in the day. Yeah. Harry Kuehl. But the thing is that... The money that Australian clubs should be getting, and, yep. and let's face it now, you know, with COVID hitting us last year, hmm. the sponsorship money is drying up. Crowds, the crowds hmm. are not going to be the same. The income, you know, which keeps clubs alive is, is disappearing fast, and the transfer market is something which can keep the clubs afloat. And I don't think we're utilising this to the max. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will cover that with Paddy Dominguez. That'll be an interesting chat. Hey, we'll talk English Premier League as well. The big news over the weekend, there's been a huge sacking, hasn't there? Yeah, Frank Lampard, uh, an absolute icon yep. of, of Chelsea. And, and obviously, he started his career with West Ham um, along with his dad. Gets the flick at 9am on a Monday morning because there was £100 million spent in the transfer market recently after Chelsea was frozen out of the transfer market. They they were banned, I think, for two uh, transfer windows. And the team, according to the people who put the money in, um, Obramovich, is it Obramovich, is not successful enough, so, so they moved him on. Um, Marcos, to you, they're sitting mid-table. They're 11 points off the top. They're, they're not going... It's not like they're having a horrendous season. Yes, but w w I don't know. From distance, I could see that that Lampard needed a little bit more time to get this. You know, a little more, more, no more time to work, more time to get into that spot. Mm. I think he rushed a little bit to yep. to to be the to be a Chelsea coach. Um, but anyway, um, well, you can spend a lot of million dollars, man. But if you don't, if you don't actually create a, a, an environment that they, 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 they are connected with the coach and the and the players and the leadership, blah, 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 well, things do not work out. I don't, I don't think he was ready. And then we're seeing this, Andrea Pirlo, yeah, fantastic yeah. Italian international, play for AC Milan, Juventus. Thrust into that hot seat where he's got Cristiano Ronaldo and Morata, some of the best players in the world, and the performances of his club are going up and down. Now, Juve are sitting fourth or fifth. Mm. He's in the same predicament. Yep. They're throwing, I think, ex-players with great reputations into the managerial role far too quickly. That is a movement that the people in business, they do to cool down things, to cover, yeah? It's pressure. You put a name, you put seven assistant coach behind this guy, and that's it. And you actually keep the fans happy. That's happened with Maradona in Argentina. Man, we give a World Cup to Maradona. Maradona is a beautiful man that he knew how to do the, do the team talk, mm. a little pump the players and motivate. But he's not was not able to work the defensive block and tactically. And, uh, tactically. Yeah. So that's what they do. That's business people what they do. But then we'll go to the other end of the spectrum, like West Brom. Who's their manager? What do you mean the other end of the spectrum? What are you talking no, no, about? What do you mean? But who's their manager right now? Yeah, Sam Allardyce. How many times has this guy been recycled and happened? Because he's good. I mean, seriously. Don't good pick on what? Sam. No. Hang on, he got a result straight away. We beat Wolves in the first week 3-2. That's seriously, it. is he... I'm going to turn know. your How microphone many, you He knows what he's doing. If you pick on West Brom, I'll turn you off. That's no, it. Give, give me an example. 
You can't only come in and give Sad us a result, and we got a result How straight boring. away. boring. Seriously, oh, there's nothing else. The anyway, we'll talk about Lampard and uh, West Brom and all things EPL a little bit later on. Right now, though, this young fella is on fire. Rolly on him. Good movement. Out on that left-hand side. Warland looking to move it quickly. Fauna Riley receives. Now a chance for the glory and the equaliser is there. And he's done it again. Carlo Amiento, two in two. The substitute, the super sub, gets them back on level terms. Here's Aaron Kelver. Earlier in the week, our very own Val Miliaccio caught up with Carlo Amiento. I think it's just all about instinct, really. Like People ask me, do I aim when I shoot? I think if the ball's there, I've got enough power, I just hit it. And most of the time it's on target, well, I hope it's on target. And, yeah, as you said, I've got quite a bit of power behind my shot. So, yeah, the keepers aren't probably used to that much power. And then you're also good with a set piece, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, just... and. You've been a revelation to a lot of people who are following the A-League this season, but uh, to people that know you're not a revelation, I think they've known about you for a long, long time. Just take us back to, I mean, say this time last year, Gertrude Verbeek was at Adelaide United, you were there, and, and things sort of didn't go right, and the reason why um, you perhaps left Adelaide. Um, yeah, so Marco, um, Marco brought me in to Adelaide from the youth team, and I was really enjoying it. And then Marco left, went to Melbourne Victory, and Ben Bate came in. And, yeah, he just – I didn't seem like I was in his plans at the time. And he uh, – yeah, I was just – I wouldn't say, like, frozen out. I was just put to the side, and I, I was probably 20 at the time. And coming back off a season I had with Marco, I was off the bench, so it was a bit weird. I just – I wasn't really involved. I was more with the youth team, mm. training with the youth so I had an opportunity to look around and I was going to sign for Melbourne Victory but Marco obviously got sacked there and I left at Adelaide United at the time Yeah, and yeah, I had no club at that point so it was pretty hard and luckily Perth came about and yeah, they gave me the opportunity and now I'm here. And, I mean, under Popovich as well, um, the team obviously won, won its way into the Champions League, so you got to taste that as well, which was yeah. spectacular because you're playing international club football as well. Yeah, correct. The Champions League in Doha was a great experience. Playing at a World Cup stadium was just phenomenal. So, yeah. So what do you think, I mean, taking us to, to Doha, obviously there's, uh, I think, 12 stadiums they're going to use in Doha or 10, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. What's it actually like, the, the actual city and, and the stadiums you played in? And at the time that you played, there wouldn't have been the heat, but, you know, they're all air-conditioned and stuff like that. Yeah, well, we didn't really get to see much of the city itself. We were in a hub, so it was literally go to training, come back, go to game, come back. The training facilities are pretty, we trained at the World Cup training facilities and they're pretty cool. It's pretty much like carpet and the stadium's pretty fancy air conditioning stadium. So it was probably like 30 degrees, but on the bench a couple of times, I had to wear a jumper, it was that cold. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Air conditioning. Okay. So just in this season, um, Adelaide v Perth, I thought, I thought the 5-3, uh, the 
perhaps flattered Adelaide, it was 5-1 and you scored against your old club. What was that feeling like? Yeah, well, it's weird playing against those boys because I grew up with, they've got a quite young team, they're doing well, but I grew up with for majority of the team. So to come out and play against my close mates, I'm probably best mates with Louis Dorigo. So to score against them, well, yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, they're having a good season and I will probably meet them next week again. And then a few days later, you've come out of this wild game against Western United where eight goals in the second half, I think it was 1-0 in the first half, and then eight goals second half. Tell us about that one because it was, I think from a, a supporter's point of view, great to see nine goals in a game, but from a defender's point of view, it was a nightmare. Yeah, that was crazy. I think the first half we were a bit flat because it was, we had a train, we came straight off a flight. And then the second half, I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, we got told to fire up and go out there, but we did well, but we had to fix up our defending. We fixed that up a little bit, the victory game, but I think we still have to improve. But yeah, that game was crazy. I've never been <laughs> part of a game like that. And, and, and then against victory on the weekend, I thought it was a game that you've actually lost when you shouldn't have lost it. Because uh, for me, Melbourne victory, they're, they're uh, for me, um, probably the most disorganised I've ever seen them. But somehow they came back into the game where, where you should have won it. And, and you set the goal up for Bruno as well, Bruno Fornaroli. Yeah, I think it's a bit like the Western United game. We took the lead late in the game and we just couldn't hold out late goals towards the end. I think it's a li- maybe a little bit of team. We played that many games in a short amount of time, and we got a pretty young defence as well. But we'll learn off it, and we'll go again on Sunday against Melbourne City. Yeah, and then soon you'll be coming to Adelaide, COVID willing, um, to play yeah. in your former home stadium. You're looking forward to that. And wh- when's that date been been penciled in for? That's the fifth on a Friday night. On a Friday night, fifth of February. So you're looking forward to uh, coming back home, so to speak. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm buzzing to be back home playing in front of my friends and family. Yeah, so it should be a good game in front of a Pat Coopers. And just with regards to your future, where what are you trying to do, say, this season and maybe for, for your own future? This is a final question, though. I think you just need to look at it game by game. I just need to keep performing and everything will become whatever, whatever comes, whatever comes, because I think you can't look too far ahead. I've got small goals here and there and slowly ticking them off but yeah that's about it I think my, probably my next goal is maybe try to get into the Ollie Roos the Olympics are coming up so but I just to get into that team I just need to keep performing week by week well Carlo Mianto thanks for your time and good luck for the season Thank you. Uh. There you go, Val Migliaccio talking to Carlo Armiento, and no doubt, Val, uh, able to turn things around. You said squeezed out from Adelaide United would have been a real downer in his in his career for a young man, and uh, well, he he hasn't moped, has he? He's got on with the job and now scoring goals. And and f- for mine, uh, Marcos, he has got the sweetest left foot I've seen in the A League for, for I don't know how long, maybe since uh, Nicky Carl back for Newcastle Jets and Sydney FC all those years ago. that The timing he's got when he strikes that ball is just unbelievable. He can get so much power and he's also good with set pieces too. Makes me happy that a kid uh, that have a little rough um, and not a smooth beginning in his career, when when someone gives a second chance, I, I'm happy that, that things turn up, you know, because 
it's not easy. It's not easy to to break in. Um, once that once that the things don't go really easy in the beginning, um, and in Australia more than ever because you got only few teams. Mm. Um, from hundred from from ten players, only nine, only one can do what actually what actually Armento is doing, and 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 I, and I wish the best, you know, as as a player. Yeah, and he's bounced back, and he had some tough times last year when the Verbeek was obviously in charge of Adelaide, and it didn't work out. And I I thought he was poorly you know poorly poorly portrayed when he left the club. And I think they, they, they squeezed him out of the club and look at him go now. And, and hopefully he has a great season and, and just keeps moving on. All right, fantastic. There he is, Carlo Armiento. Uh, Val, moving on, we talked at the top of the show about uh, Paddy Dominguez. Interesting man. Tell us about his position in football. Yeah, well, Paddy, apart from being a really good guy, he's the pro- president of the Professional Football Agents Association. Now, he's done a lot of background work with FIFA with regards to agents over the last few years, and, and now they put together this association in a bid to normalise it, stabilise it, and make sure that agents all are all heading in the same way. And I've come across a few agents in my day, um, and you get you get some really good ones. Who? <laughs> no, this is I'm being brutally no, honest. I know, I know. Some really, really good ones, and obviously they they they've used us to 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 get. Yep. Messages out, media. you know, rumors, yes. oh, speculation about yep. a player, which creates interest. <laughs> yep. And then there's the price then up. there's absolute horrendous agents mm. who ruin players' careers. Yeah, with that because mm. can we name some names? No, I'm kidding. Not, no, I'm joking. No, we can. <laughs> All right, before we get Patty on, he is one of the players over the years that he's managed. Moy, didn't he burst onto the scene a couple of years ago? Let's get him on. Paddy Dominguez, welcome to the Real Football Show. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Paddy, can I, I want to hit you with the first one? Paddy Dominguez, are you Irish? Are you Spanish? What are you? I'm both uh, <laughs> uh, Irish and Spanish. Are you? Irish mother and a Spanish father. Well, there yeah. you go. That explains that. Yeah, fiery combo. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, Paddy, just further, where were you born? Uh, I was actually born in Spain and then at a very, very young age moved straight across to Ireland and grew up in Ireland um, and then came to Australia in uh, 2000. Wow. So 20 years in Australia. Congratulations, mate. But we'll get into yeah. the questions. And we've been talking about the, you know, the, the transfer market and, and at the moment it's in full swing and you know we can see players moving about the January transfer window, but the transfer records for Australian clubs, and this is what concerns me the most, you know, from a player from Australia going into Europe, and this is a major source of income for many, many clubs across Europe and South America. Why is it not happening here? Uh, yeah, look, that's a, it's a very good question. Um, there's a, a whole range of factors um, to that. I mean, obviously, we have to exclude COVID um, be, um, and try and focus on what it was like sort of before COVID showed up because mm. this isn't a realistic uh, example of the transfer market. But in any event, what you say was correct pre-COVID. Um, it's, I think people have a misconception um, of how the market has changed i mean it used to be in the early 2000s etc around the late 90s 
there was a golden period for transfer fees for Australian clubs with players moving overseas. Um, what really ended up happening was more that the market, the competition against Australian players moving to Europe increased dramatically. Um, back in those days when you know there was good transfer fees, um, Australia was an English-speaking country and the generally speaking, England is the largest um, inbound transfer market. Yeah. So being uh, just from a cultural perspective, it was easy to do transfer business with Australia because they spoke English. Um, language isn't a barrier anymore to transfers at all. Um, so that's one aspect. But also just the clubs in Europe, their scouting networks have just increased exponentially. They have global reach everywhere now. We didn't have platforms like Huddle, etc., where you can view footage of players up close and in good quality. Um, it used to be an old scouting network where you would hear about a player, do as much research remotely as you could and make a decision to send a scout to watch that player. Um, and if the scout went, so the player, a transfer would happen. Nowadays, they can watch a young player playing at a local state league equivalent club in Angola, see very clearly how he can play, they yeah. can have a conversation with that person. So the competition that Australian players face nowadays is huge compared to what it used to be. Um, and obviously, Australia is a country of 26 million people, but Europe against countries with 140 million people. Um, there's probably about 26 million just... Brazilian children alone that want to move to Europe. So, mm. so Paddy, it's a really is that, competitive market. Essentially, is that telling us that perhaps the Australian player is not up to the standard of because everyone can see whether players like in Angola, Senegal, Montevideo, and Uruguay, and Buenos Aires, and and does, does that mean we're, we're we're below par of what's expected now in the top end? I, I look, I think that we are, and certainly in the eyes of the people who are buying players, that's the case. Um, you know, again, the A-League's only 15 years young, so I think it's always a little bit harsh. Um, I still think we could have done a lot better with that 15 years. Um, but in general terms, the league also dictates, I mean, how the buying, the purchasing markets view your league mm. is an important factor. The A-League, with all the greatest respect, is not viewed as a, a top league in terms of importing players. So the players suffer from the reputation of the league itself. Um, but within that league, um, I just think the standards need to improve. Um, there's too many players who have played in five, six, seven A-League teams yeah. which just seem to rotate around the place. Um, that, you know, is... is keeping out younger talent from coming through. Um, so, I mean, they talk a lot about investing in youth, but in terms of execution, it doesn't really happen too much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the league itself is not viewed as a very strong league, and the players suffer from that. So it really takes a standout performance from a player in, in the A-League to be able to earn a transfer overseas. Hi, Paddy. I'm Mar Marcus Flores here. Um, and, 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 and I just wanted to ask you, in terms of the destination, um, for, for, for the club's perspective transactions, um, because more than likely the player in Australia is more value, uh, is valuable for, to go to China, to Asia, than to Europe. Is that correct? So if, if potentially a Chinese team can put more money to the Australian player than 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 Europe is that correct? Look, a hundred percent, Marcos. I think in in moving forward, from a financial perspective, the Asian markets are very you know they're lucrative for the A League and for Australian clubs. Um, they can pay good money, um, just as good as the European teams. Um, mm -hmm. I think probably from a next step as well, they're probably sensible for some of the players. 
Um, I think some of the young players are just a little bit either uneducated or mis not advised correctly. They they tend to aim for a level that they're not capable of yet. Yeah. And that can be very harmful to a player's development because the worst thing any football player can do is go somewhere and not play football. Yeah, um, and, yeah, buddy, and and that is really important what you what you're saying because I'm 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 getting to the, the stage of my life where I wanted to be coaching and 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 I wanted to do the 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 beginning of you uh, to get into the youth development and and that is something that really really I'm 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 big and focused in, is to is to tell the truth and to actually embrace who we are to actually grow and not to over not to skip any aspect of the game or any aspect of who you are who you are as a, as a, as a, as a person as a player because it, it can happen later on these mistakes that people come tell you face to face no I'm ready to go to play in Manchester United but they need to know they need to know what really is to play in Manchester United they really need to know what it really takes to be successful in Italy for example Of course, and, and Marcos, perfect example of that is some of my clients who at an early age, they went to Europe. They saw so at 15, 16, guys like Aaron Moy, Jamie McLaren. Yeah. They had an opportunity over there to see what it looks like, to see they could watch the first team playing. They could see their own age group teams playing. They got a very clear picture of what it takes um, to be able to play at that level. And both ended up coming back to Australia to then reset, but to build themselves up to be prepared to be able to go again. Mm -hmm. um, but they had a clear picture. And a lot of the guys here don't understand the level that they're up against. Um, they don't understand just physically how they have to be to play in some of those leagues. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all want to play at the top, top level. I want to hear young kids saying they want to play for Man United. Yeah. But strategically, there's many steps you have to take to give yourself any opportunity to do that. And you have to have realistic steps. And I don't find many realism, not much realism in, in some of the young players here. They just want straight away, they'll ring and say, oh, I'm happy to go to Holland. <laughs> so, yeah, that, right. I, we all are happy to go to Holland, but that's a very big step. And then, the, you know, the technical ability of those players is very high and you need to, There's other places you need to go first to, to sort of build yourself up. Paddy, we know no matter what walk of life you're in, the cream will always rise to the top. And, I, and I'm a big, and I've been a parent of a soccer player, but I'm a big believer. If you're good enough, it will happen. You will get there because, and especially in a in a game like the world game of, of football, because there are so many opportunities. Whilst you say it's very, very competitive with the amount of people playing the game, I get that. But there are also many, many opportunities. And I just wonder if I go back to the likes of, uh, I always think of the Vidmar brothers who were prepared to leave Australia and go, say, to a second division team in Belgium or somewhere like that. In other words, get yourself recognised, get on the map, and then if you are good enough, you will end up in, at a good club, surely. 100%. I'm a huge believer in that too, that if you're good enough and you just keep at it, a lot of guys, they kind of sort of drop the head eventually. There seems to be a, a time element here in Australia. Like, there's a huge amount of youngsters at 19, 20 saying, oh, I'm over, my career's done, I've not gotten to Europe yet. I mean, you've got plenty of examples of, of guys. I mean, at 23 years of age, Millie Edenak got his first contract at Central yeah. Coast. At 27, he's captain in Crystal Palace in the Premier League. So yeah. I don't know where this 18, 19, I must have made it by then, mentality comes from. Um, football has changed dramatically now. Jamie Vardy wasn't at 18, 19 in a Premier League team. Um, so you have to keep at it. And then, like you say, find a realistic level. Um, a second division team in Belgium is a very strong level to jump from next from the A-League. Yep. It gives you an opportunity to build yourself 
get comfortable with your surroundings and you'll be spotted there as quickly as you will anywhere else. Where mm. do you think the big teams are looking for? They don't want to have to go and pay £50 million for a player. Mm-hmm. They yeah, would exactly. much prefer to pay a million pounds to a second division Belgian team and unearth the next Kevin De Bruyne. They're happier to do that. Just uh, with your role, Paddy, the mm. Professional Football Agents Association president. Now, mm. I know that you worked uh, in the background. You're on a, a committee with FIFA about with regards to agents and... To be quite fair, agents, you know, and, and we talked at this about this at the top of the show, some agents are brilliant, honest, like yourself, and then we've got the bottom end where they seem to be, like, uh, really, really bad, and they can affect the player's career. So what's your role at the moment? Uh, look, it's effectively my role is to listen to our members, to um, update them constantly on rules and regulations, on sort of shifts in terms of where football is heading, we then get their feedback, their thoughts, their suggestions. Um, myself as president, then I discuss that with uh, other stakeholders. So I will be the point of contact with FIFA, FIFA Pro. I will discuss with them what our members have said, give them a lot of very good feedback from many different countries. Um, and through having very strong relations with those stakeholders, um, we hopefully get to professionalise our industry a little bit more. Um, gain a bit more traction ourselves as stakeholders because agents perform a huge part of the transfer market, yeah. uh, but they're not actually in a group like FIFA Pro for the players, ACA for the clubs, etc. So it's the last group that needs a stakeholder representation um, at, at a global level. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of reading, a lot of talking, a lot of negotiating with uh, the global stakeholders. Paddy, uh, some of us in this country have had experience with AFL and cricket as well. And I've, I've looked at agents mm. in all of those games. And again, I don't want this question to be a blight on you and your profession. But, mm. you know, looking back, if we go, we have matured a bit, but going back 15, 20 years, some of them, were, I, I used to call them the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. <laughs> like, they had, like they had professions. They had, a, you know, it could be a factory work. And they thought, I'll tell you what, I'm going to manage a player in my spare time and make some money. And I just thought it was ludicrous. And I mean, ha- have we gone past all of that? To, you know, is it really difficult? And I don't mean difficult in a bad way, but is it more stringent for me to become a football manager in this country in this day and age? Um, the answer is no, it's not. Um, oh. It does still exist. Uh, I mean, for about two months, I had to keep ringing this guy and he kept on asking me to ring at certain periods. And I just I said to him, mate, that they're not always um that doesn't work for me is that can i not just ring you anytime he said no that's my lunch break and then i finish it <laughs> well, there you go there you go I said, mate thanks for your time please lose my number don't ring me again. yeah um so it does exist come january of 2022 next year uh, we'll have new agents rules and regulations it will probably force a, those kinds of people to make a decision that i either want to be a professional agent full-time yeah. yep. or i won't be able to make a good enough living yeah. um if i don't do it full-time um the processes are going to be a lot more rigorous to be an agent um so that will also drive a certain amount of people from the marketplace i'm not saying that's right or wrong but, but it's but oh well i think, I think it's important for the game it's important for yeah. the integrity of everyone involved Oh, look, 100%, I agree. I, I think you you owe it to your clients to invest 100% of your time yeah, on this. Yeah. Um, and if I had another job and I have a bad day at work, that could affect my performance and, and what I'm providing to my clients. So you either decide to do it or don't do it. Yeah, um, for but, sure. Yeah, so I'm definitely in agreement with that. Yeah, Paddy, fantastic to talk to you. And we'd love to talk again because there's always uh, big, big news, whether it's transfers or whatever in the world of mm. football. So we'd love to keep in touch if we could. Any time at all, guys. Good on you. Well Happy done. 
There he is, Paddy Dominguez, and uh, an important role, Val, especially what we talked about at the end there. Um, we've got to have the right people looking after our young players. We do, and there's there's an agent in Adelaide floating around who's actually the candlestick maker, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, You know, does it part-time. I'm not going to name the guy because we'll probably get sued, but... He's now apparently looking after the biggest emerging names coming through. Mm. And I'm thinking, my gosh, if you get this wrong, brother, yeah. you're going to ruin this guy's do a reputation. Lot of harm. You're yeah. going to do a lot of harm to your player. Yeah. And, and it's good that Paddy and the organisation are starting to clean all this up. Yeah. Just a final word from a man who's been at the coalface. Marcos, the level of agents in this country. Or can I ask you, was your agent an, an Argentinian-based agent or how did you end up here, for example? Hmm. It's a long story, but um, uh, you remember that you asked about the list of bad agents? Yeah. I got a list for you after. (laughs) Big ones. But the the things that I liked about Paddy is that look how much we talk about mentoring the young players. We're talking about mentoring more than just the talent, mentoring the, the brain, you know, to get through and to realize how big is that challenge. And if we don't prepare and we don't start creating an environment that here we really tell people, hey, let's go more intense, Mm. let's work harder, and we stop saying unlucky, 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 unlucky boy, it's going to be harder for Australia. Can I just put this to you as well, Marcos, and maybe this happens across the board, but I would like to see a manager here who brings a young boy in and let's hypothetically say you're you're playing for Adelaide United um, and you're earning a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Five years down the track, I've got you into a great share portfolio. You've bought a house, et cetera, et cetera. As a manager, I've actually set you up and on the path to financial success, not just that initial contract here playing football. PFA does a little bit of that mentoring about what you're gonna do next, and they do they do a lot of chat with the players. Yep. Now that beautiful thing of you talking, that is that is something that comes from the values of a coach. If the coach is worried mm. or he cares about what is gonna happen to you in the next year, yep. or even. Off the field. Yep. Because you got coaches that are just wanting you to make an assist through ball and then they want to sell you as quick as possible. <laughs> and it yeah. happens to me. Yeah. And the sad thing is now, you know, over the last few years, there's not even agents, just people making promises to parents mm. of young kids who look okay in the park here yep. and then yep. bring them over to Europe and they're paying off coaches, agents, and they're, they're living in Europe for uh, a long time. Mm. And not getting you anywhere because most of their clubs are well below the professional leagues of these European uh, leagues. It's sad. It's sad. And, and hopefully um, Paddy's organisation will continue to clean this up. And, and really, the, the children, men, you know, boys and girls need, need to be told the truth about football. And we are so far off. And, you know, you hear a player, you know, scores a couple of goals in the A-League, I want to play for Manchester United. Give me a break. He shouldn't be saying that publicly. Mm. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Get, get your feet on the ground, yep. son. Yep. And and then worry about that after. Mm. All right. Uh, let's move on to the EPL, shall we? This is the biggest story that happened over the last few days. About your former England colleague, a man you know really well right from the start of your career at West Ham, our former colleague at BT Sport as well, um, Frank Lampard. First of all, do you think it would have been a different decision by Chelsea if every single week Stamford Bridge had been full of fans singing his name, which they would have been doing? Yeah, I think it, it it brings pressure to the board, uh, to the people that make the decisions at the club. They, 
without the fans there, they don't have that emotional tie. Or they see that connection between the manager and the fans, which Frank no doubtly has. has. And so he had it as a player. Everybody was clamoring for to come into the club. Um, the first year he'd done remarkably well, got him into the Champions League. Obviously, there was a transfer embargo. Now he's had money to spend and that brings a different pressure. And that's brought pressure and that's brought eyeballs and that's brought expectation. Um, but It also brings challenges as well. You can't just spend over £100 million and instantly you win games of football, no problem. It, is, it creates different kinds of challenges, but challenges nonetheless when you spend the money. But what I think it's done is it's, brought, it's taken away the, re the reality and the realism. In, and like you say, when you invest and you recruit that amount of players for that amount of money, yes, there brings extra pressure, but you cannot expect all of those players to hit the ground running now. Yeah. They need time to adjust. They need time to fit into the culture of the football club. There is Rio Ferdinand talking about Frank Lampard. Uh, I mentioned before, Marcos, uh, Chelsea, no doubt, want to be up there with Man United, Man City, Liverpool, all of the great clubs, Arsenal. They are 11 points adrift of top at the moment. 11 points can be made up over a four or five-week period if results go for and against you. It's not like all is lost, surely. Is this sacking a bit premature? Yeah, well, I don't know what is happening in that house uh, because it, it, to make a decision like that with a legend like Frank Lampard, something big or some big disconnection should be in the locker room to to make something to to make some big call like that. Yep. Um, my opinion also that that, that that like I said before, Frank is Frank. He for me rushed to get into that to, to that job. He needed to 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 stay a few more years, you know, uh, around and and get the right moment. But hey, who, no one knows what is the right moment, also. But just look at some of the Chelsea managers that in the past: Di Matteo, uh, the new one, Thomas Tuchel, obviously from PSG; Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, Andre Villas Boas, Rafael Benitez, Gus Hiddink. <laughs> so they, they they're going for the top end, and there must be massive massive pressure on these guys because. Uh, Abramovich, I don't think, would be an easy guy to work for, no, considering no. He's, he's poured billions and billions of, of pounds in, in, I don't know, billions, but uh, hundreds of millions of pounds into uh, into the club over the last, what, 18 or 19 years. Mm. All right. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of Chelsea fans worldwide will be having their say online about the sacking of Frank Lampard. Let's look at the games this week, kicking off uh, Thursday, January 27. Um, the big game actually happens on Friday, I reckon, uh, as far as the next couple of days are concerned. Spurs and Liverpool, Val? I'm really happy that Liverpool are falling away. Why is that? I don't like them. Why? I think out of all the clubs in the world, and I, I'm probably happy to say this, they're the club I loathe the most. I can't believe you're saying that. I cannot believe you're saying that. What I about, can't believe they came to Adelaide. I had to listen to that song. So you'll never walk alone. So Adelaide, what, we just want to, we just have Man City, Man United win it every year, will we? For the next thirty I, years. I, I don't like Liverpool. Is that okay with you? Well, you've made that loud and clear. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I love Liverpool. <laughs> I produced some of the great players over the years. I used to love watching well, they have, Kenny Dalglish, like Ian Rush, like Kevin Keegan. I'm going back a while. Some of the greats. Huh? Yeah. I, I agree. Do I have to all like right. him? Okay, and let's look forward to the weekend. The super match I know you're all looking for is West Brom versus Fulham. Uh, that is the match of the round. But apart from that, there's another game that's not bad either. <laughs> Arsenal-Man United. How will that one go, Marcos? 
Uh, Man U. Man U. It's at Arsenal. Arsenal have bounced back. Mm. And and Matty Ryan's uh, sign now from Brighton is made he, the move. Is he is going to be the main keeper? Yeah, I think first it's, it's an unfortunate move, I think, for Matty Ryan because he's not going to be number one. No. And I'm thinking the guy needs to play. He's our number one Socceroos keeper. He needs yeah. games. And this is going to leave Graham Arnold in a predicament when he's got goalkeepers that are playing regularly at the top end and Matty's not. But he's in the huge club, man. And he has one of the he best is. men. Mentality in Australia. I'll, I'll Ryan, agree he has you. one yep. of the best mentality. He that kid is a bulldog. <laughs> he doesn't stop. And, and 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 no matter what, he needs to be the number one of of, 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 of Socceroos until he retire. Um, um, Mary yeah, Ryan, Mary Ryan, being in that squad and getting that training with yeah. the Arsenal, with the with the with the quality of these strikers, man, is 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 better. I I I I give I give more chances to Mary Ryan training with Arsenal than any player playing full games in Belgium. Hmm. That's what Pim Verbeek said, didn't he? Did he? He, he preferred so- Socceroos to train with Dutch clubs. Mm. Permanently or Europe rather than playing games in the A League. Remember mm. that? He said that about 12 oh. years ago, got himself in big trouble. Mm. Yep. <laughs> All right, that's it for the Real Football Show this week. Fantastic to talk to Paddy Dominguez and Carlo Armiento. Enjoy your football wherever you are, and we'll join you again next week. Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch Up. Saturday mornings from 7 a.m. for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer.